welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Whifford. Hey! So today, we're going to be talking about Episode 2, Season 2 of Shadow and Bone, titled... Rusea. Rusea. All right, weird pronunciation, <laughs> but we're rolling with it. <laughs> yes, and it mean it is part of the folklore in the Grishaverse, and it means the Ice Dragon or the Sea Whip, as it's referred to in the show. So before we dive into episode two here, I'm just going to give out the typical reminders. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can send us an email, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, which is at fantasyrewindpod. We're also on Twitter, which is at fantasyrewind. All right. Without any further delay, let's dive into the rewind. Alright, episode two of season two. Dylan, <laughs> initial thoughts on it? So, my initial thoughts on this episode were that, holy cow, a lot happened, and I, I can't know. believe we're already here for episode two. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up, because I felt the same way. Last episode, we talked about how long we thought it would take them and stuff, and we were both kind of like, oh, it'd probably take a little bit. <laughs> nope. Next episode, boom. Right? And right I'm off imagining, the bat. I'm imagining, because she was like, we need to, you know, go then go to East Rafka for the Firebird, right? Which they named in this episode, because they just got the Sea Whip, so the Firebird's next, and then to the Fold. So do you think episode, 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 like, it's just going to go bam, bam, bam? <laughs> At this pace... At this pace, who knows? Yeah, I just think, like, this episode, so much happened. And I know we have mm-hmm. multiple storylines going on, but oh, a yeah. lot happened here that I thought might have taken a lot longer. Um, I think a big part of what I'm seeing as well is also just, like, oh my gosh, like, how how fast is this story going to go with eight episodes for this season? Like, yeah, are they going to do what you said, which is just episode this episode that bang 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 we're done with the season especially because i think they probably want this to be at least a three season show which again i have no idea how they're going to do that if they keep going at this pace all in all i did enjoy this episode i thought that it was really cool so much happened that i feel like we need to talk about so why don't we just start diving in and we'll tackle storyline by storyline real fast other thoughts on it it was just I really still enjoying it all. Like, I think they're doing, even though it's going really fast, it's very satisfying. Nothing's done in a way where I'm like, ugh, cringe, or yeah, same. why'd they do that? It all makes sense. It all flows really well. And yeah, let's, so we have, I mean, the three, I mean, three, I guess, four storylines now? Four, let's go with four, yeah. So we have the, I mean, the shortest one is the prison one right now, which yes. is tied into uh, the Crow's storyline. Mm-hmm. I think we got, I mean, I want to start here because it's just so small and we can get it out of the way. Yep. But we have um, Prisoner there. Man, I can't remember his name. Matt Matthew? Yeah, it's like Mateus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we find out, one, they're served lobster, but it's like rancid lobster, which is just wild. I was like, wow, they're fed well. And then it's like. I know, right? No, no, they're not. And so he's in that cell with another feared, and he talks about how the justice system here is different than home. And I thought that was a really interesting, like, again, difference between the Furidan versus the Ravka. Like, Ravkans, like, you get arrested, you're going to rot. <laughs> and in Furidan, you do something bad, you're dead. <laughs> Apparently for <laughs> they everyone. They don't forget about you, though. <laughs> no, they don't forget about you, and you're treated probably better than they're treated there. I think it's going to be interesting to see how 
Mate, uh, Matthew or Mateus changes because right now he's really plagued with these visions of the heart render and his with feelings regrets, for her. It seems like like he's torn with what his feelings should be versus what they are. Yeah, like I, he, you know, he talks about how the God, their God, will forgive him and all this, and he's like, no, not for my sins. And yet, it's like, are these really sins? His sin is loving a Grisha. Yeah, and it's like yeah. he can't decide. And I think that's really interesting, especially when she eventually gets him out, because we know that's going to happen. I would hope so. Yeah. Then we have, so, I mean, the four storylines there. We got the prison one right now, <laughs> the crows, which we'll definitely have to dive more into, and I want to hold off on that. We have uh, Alina and Mel and the privateer captain, or Sturmhand right now, as we know him, which I think is, this episode was definitely... That was I front and center was, in this episode, yeah. yeah. And then the fourth one would be with Darkling. Darkling, yeah. And I think, um, which one do you want to tackle outside of the prison one first? So let's jump in. Let's just keep going in the order of shortest to longest here. So let's okay. jump into the Darkling. Oh, this one is so good. So juicy. Short, so juicy, yes. Man, oh. In this one, we find out a lot. One, uh, Jenya, right, is brought into General Kerrigan or the Darkling's room. And you can tell that... General Kerrigan is, or sorry, the Darkwing is dealing with some kind of sickness, and it seems to be connected to his shadowlings, which you don't really, they mentioned the name of it, I didn't write it down, so whatever, but it's almost considered an abomination in the Grisha science, it seems like, from the interactions we have with some of the other Grisha there. He asks her to heal him, and so she fixes up his scars as much as she can, which she's like... Isn't a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, it isn't, and... You can see she's just like, I, I can't do anything else. And it's like baffling to her. Like she's definitely getting some kind of feedback from him mm-hmm. when she was trying to heal him and stuff. That's very unsettling to her. And so when we when we leave this scene after she tries to heal these different wounds on him, and even though she tells him like some of it's behind beyond uh, beyond her, he pretty much just like, you're going to try. <laughs> right. And then it's when like, she oh, does try you too bad, you're going to keep trying and doing more. Yeah, and then when she does try, she almost gets attacked from one of the shadow things because what she's doing is effectively attacking them too. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me wonder. I mean, it seems like the shadowlings almost have a symbiotic relationship with, or a parasitic relationship, I think is probably mm. a better term for that, with the Darkling. They're sort of feeding off of his life essence in order to have that power. Because, like, like, you see him coughing, exactly, yeah. You see him coughing, coughing out blood, being sick, and definitely Mm -hmm. not in prime condition. And you see her just go into the hallway after she attempts this and just, like, collapse crying in horror, basically, at what she's basically um, being forced to do or attempting to do. Yeah, she's effectively gambling her life to try to keep him alive Mm -hmm. or to heal him. We don't know if she's really keeping him alive or just trying to... fix his outer appearance and so i kind of looked almost at her attack uh by the shadow monsters basically as Mm -hmm. being defensive of oh you're hurting kirigan we're gonna come after you or oh you're siphoning off our life force so we're gonna prevent you from doing that any farther i wasn't sure which way it was going but it sounds like you're leaning more towards like the parasitic like you're taking your life force route sort of i I almost viewed it as like Maybe maybe what's happening is when she's trying to like heal or and like cover up this stuff, it is impacting them negatively. Or like 
I'm not taking that what she was doing was siphoning off life force. No, no, no. I'm that t- they were siphoning off Kerrigan's life yes. force, and she was trying to stop that. And so they were like, "Don't you dare like interfere with our food." Yeah, correct. That's kind of how I took that. So the other major thing that's going on in that scene there as well is she's asking after David. That's going to be like that empty promise that's never going to be filled. And I think will probably lead to Genya leaving the Darkling service once she realizes that. Uh, But you also, right? I I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. But like you also Mm -hmm. notice like how this is all about showing that the Darkling is not infallible. He is vulnerable, and he's not at full strength right now. So despite all appearances of him riding in on his horse or riding in on like like a white knight last round, last uh, episode to save all the Grisha that were being held captive, he is not, like, their invincible leader that he once was. And the scars on his face is, are just, like, a physical representation of that, that his mm-hmm. power is not infallible. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, and so there is one other scene with him yes. where we, at the end of the episode, and we get to see that, um, he meets up with, was it, not sure who it was. It was, oh, was another it, Grisha. Another Grisha, yeah. And she seems to be water right i mean yeah she seemed to be able to control the water and like the the earth or something like the where he had hid some items yeah well it's kind of weird he she was like are you just here for the notebook and he like just like makes it appear and she goes and grabs it i'm like so why did she need to be here for this <laughs> so he didn't have yeah, to didn't get, get that it? part either <laughs> and then um and then yeah and then the other part i was like okay yeah to move the waterfall which wasn't even going that much like <laughs> i want to know kind of why i don't know maybe she was guarding it who knows but yeah um, but his mom was being kept captive there which is wild to me right. okay because if this woman is so old and she's I think also she's immortal yeah and she's also a dark darkling ish right she should yeah. have control of that why can't she should be able to just get out of this pretty easily. I think which is why he had a different type of Grisha, like, imprisoning her. And who knows, maybe, like, she's unwilling to use her powers to the extent that he is, and so mm. she might not be as powerful as him. That's true. That's very true. And, like, obviously, I mean, even she may be immortal, but... Which is... That is bringing up another point we'll get into in a minute here when mm-hmm. we go into a uh alina's timeline but some of the dreaming and some of the implications there are really interesting but for sure bagger's back so it'll be fun to see kind of what happens with that i think she's gonna probably her and Genya will probably at some point sort of connect run off yeah uh and maybe they'll escape together or mm-hmm. who knows that's my uh, theory as well is that the two of them will get out of town and go find alina yeah so we want to hit the crows next let's do the crows okay oh man so the crows are in a bad spot here. Bad situation. <laughs> uh, we have Inej, who is, you know, tailing and getting all the information for them. Uh, Pekka Rawlings is pretty much decided that... Pekka Rollins, sorry. is pretty much decided that, uh, yeah, I'm going to kill you guys now. And mm-hmm. he sets up traps for all of them, which you don't know about until... Until they're sprung, yeah. Which is which was actually pretty cool. It was very clever. Um, he's decided to just wipe the floor with them. And in this episode, we get a lot of kind of pushback on Kaz, which we haven't had. And we also get some right. flashbacks, and you're starting to get more about Pekka Rowland's relationship with Kaz. And it seems like he had a very fatherly mentor figure. He was a fatherly mentor figure to Kaz and Kaz's brother, which starts to help you understand, like, 
okay. <laughs> so the reason Kaz hates him so much and probably hasn't done anything to him, though, is because he's like, he's you know, he's like his dad. He never had. And even though he's done terrible things to him, it's still, I don't know. There's there's something more there we don't know yet. But. Well, so I'm going to give a little pushback on that because I think that the real reason Kaz hasn't done anything to him yet is because he's going to have killed Kaz's brother, who is going to end up being probably like the person that Kaz likes the most or loved the most in this world. And he says it at the diner scene where he's like, killing him's not enough. And um. he was going to go into more of like a vengeance uh, speech there. But he changed it up, saying how they need to clear their names and pin this all on Pekka as well. And he calls Pekka Collins, or Pekka Collins, a a con man, basically, not a boss. And saying how he's not actually, like, a true true boss in the barrel. And it's more of a situation, I think, where Kaz has a personal vendetta against him. As opposed to a mentor relationship. He might be a little bit of a mentor, but I think it's more of a personal vendetta. I mean, that's fair. But I kind of hope not, just because when we think about the first season, we don't really get any of those vibes. We get, like, hatred, distaste, but, like, not vendetta. And that mm-hmm. now it's, like, completely different. And so, you know, I want to know if it if it is all of a sudden a vendetta, why wasn't he doing going after it before? would be kind of my thing because they those, yeah. all three of them have been a crew for a while mm-hmm. you know Inej, uh J- jesper and Kaz. Kaz. but they haven't like had this goal and even them are so they're so surprised by this different Kaz that's appeared and so i want to know what's what sort of shifted here for that is it because he took the club and something he loved and like he had poured himself into that and just trying to forget about it like i need a little bit more to really buy into buy into that just thinking about the first season as well Mm -hmm. no that's a good point keeping what happened in season one in perspective when we're looking at season two using it as a lens to put everything where it belongs yeah but uh the heart render here nina 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 yeah just nina nina yeah she's been uh she's been very helpful yeah, you can say that. <laughs> yeah, she's great. I love her. She is honestly, like, as great as Jesper and all of them are, the crows are, like, she just adds a little extra, like, yes to it. And I mean, yeah, it's it's been really, really refreshing to have her as well um, as Wylan. And I love that Wylan and Jesper already have a relationship to, like, Jesper was just like, Oh, yeah, I remember, you know, like as they're getting shot oh, at. this angle. I yeah. remember this. <laughs> yeah, so they've they've definitely done stuff before, which is wonderful. But uh, let's get into some of the traps here. So in this episode, obviously, you know, Kaz is like, we got to take him down. They're going after his books and mm-hmm. um, they want to so they can like, you know, sort of throw him away or clear their names, see where the money is. I don't know. It wasn't really put into context like how that was going to help them i think that way like if they have his books and they see like where uh pekka is spending his money it's more of like hey so he cares about his money we see where he's spending it we can attack those investments and hurt him Uh, financially that way that's kind of how i was interpreting it good connection there good connection um and we find out that as i said pekka is like okay if he wants to play at this then fine i'm gonna push back and i'm gonna kill him and he hires the Tanner, the Skinner, the... Some assassin to go after Inej. Yeah. And that was an interesting scene. That was a cool scene. 
it was a cool scene because like obviously Anej has speed and agility. This guy had some of that, but he also had that strength and it was cool to see how she won in different ways. Mm-hmm. And if, she, if, I mean, if things hadn't worked out had they as they had, she would have been captured. And she had even mentioned to Kaz before, like he needs to tell them because he's not just playing with his life. He's playing with their lives. And right. that sort right. of came into focus. So it's going to be interesting to see next episode, how, Inej sort of reacts now because mm-hmm. she almost died because of him. So completely. I think yeah. we're just starting to see some of the fallout and we're going to definitely get more Kaz's backstory here. And eventually when he tells them the truth, he, they're going to obviously want to support him in this, but they're going to mm-hmm. do it in a way that makes more sense than him. Because right now he's just trying to, he is just trying to go after Pekka and just use them instead of working with them. And see, I think that next episode is going to change that. If I had to guess, mm. I'd say that they're going to come at Kaz and be like, okay, man, enough's enough. We all just almost died. You need to spill yeah. the beans and tell us what's going on right now. Correct. And then it's going to be more of like a, I'm anticipating it being like a flashbacky episode where he explains everything that's like led to his, um, his fight with Pekka as they're all in hiding and safe. Yeah. I think that'll be... Especially since it's in the plague thing, and yeah, the his brother cemetery. and him had sort of ended up like in a plague pile or something. We've seen some flashbacks to that. Don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the fallout from that. Uh, I do want to briefly, before we jump into Alina and Mal's storyline here, I do want to jump back just for a moment to the Darklings and talk about after the first scene with Genya and then the Bagra scene, we actually skipped a, a scene where he goes in and he's talking to this Grisha who is a one of the uh, alchemist, a durist, I believe, were, you know, alchemist one of them. I think he's Alchemi or whatever, because yeah, the durist are I the people that fuse the stuff uh, onto you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he's, you know, in there, and he he's, like, talking with them, and you you still get, like, General Kerrigan doesn't really care about him. Right. He's like, can I use you? Yes or no? Yeah. If not, then we can end this right now. Right. And he's talking about how, like, oh, like, I can give you a little bit of a serum, but really, I would have to study to help. And he's like, no, I've chosen this. Like, he wants this relationship uh, with the Shadowlings, and you can tell that they are the things that are hurting him. That's sort of what reinforced my idea that they are parasitic and feeding off of him. So, But he does also propose an interesting idea. He's like, Hmm. maybe the only thing that will fix the ailment that you have right now is to do it more. Yeah. And the Darkling looks like he's uh, considering that from the the look he gives the camera. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me. He will. We oh, know yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So let's flash into over to Alina and General Kerrigan here because this was a really interesting. It started off with the. I mean, obviously we saw Sturmhand there, the pr- privateer, as he likes to remind everyone, which is a, apparently a licensed pirate, basically. <laughs> say that uh you know sort of bargain with alina a bit but it wasn't i don't know it was kind of weird like it was weird it's like she's just like you're gonna work for me now and he's like yeah of course <laughs> oh danger money uh why, why not it's like it's not to like either you have an alternative motive or that was the stupidest conversion of all time <laughs> um and i'm not sure what it is Anyway, she basically runs the ship now, and he may have a thing for her. Don't yeah, really know. I I totally called that there was like going to be a little bit of something going on between them. Yeah, but you you we'll know see. like 
I don't know. It's not going to amount to anything at all. It's just going to no. be like a little throwaway thing, I think. No. But again, you get some really interesting world building here where um, it like in their interaction with the crew, we have the, the brother and sister there who are apparently heart renders as well, which is really interesting. And actually, there is quite a few different members of the crew who are Grisha, mm-hmm. but they're treated equally. There is no difference between just the regular crewmen and the Grisha crewmen. I mean, other than that, they have abilities. They're on sort of the same playing field. And, and we see that uh, Alina, Alina really, like, is, wow, imagine if they did this in Ravka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's sort of bringing back that how how were Grisha treated differently in different places. And I think this is a very interesting one because I think Stormhand has is definitely more important than just the privateer. Because in order for him to be a licensed pirate, he has to know people, right? He has to have connections. And so mm-hmm. I think there's definitely more to him than we know. I would agree with that just because you see even how he was the one that was like bankrolling Kaz's adventure from season one. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be wealthy. He's going to be important. And the people that he knows, they apparently will give him more money than what the Fjordans, uh, Fjordans are offering him. So Correct. We'll see uh, if he keeps faithful to Alina or if he ends up betraying her for a good amount of coin. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is, is like he hasn't yet and mm-hmm. he's made her more powerful, if anything. Right, right. Uh, because he, he does commit his men to go in and he's like, OK, yeah, we're going to find the sea whip, the ice dragon, whatever. It's referred to as the sea whip in the show. And he talks about the firebird, which is the other one. And so I think it's really interesting because... We finally get Alina's plan here. She's like, I'm having dreams about them just like I had dreams about the stag in the first season. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I wish we could have seen those. I can't agree more. Oh, my God. Yeah. The only dreams we're seeing are the ones between you and the Darkling, which I want to get into in just a moment. But mm-hmm. it's <laughs> she's like, I'm, I'm going to try to commune with it, basically, because she could with the stag, right? The right, stag and her right. had this really like if she had just we don't know what would have happened if they didn't kill the stag. But this meeting was very different than the stag meeting. Very and different. Because the sea whip was killing people <laughs> right around her and was going after Mel. And then she blew its brains out with intensified sun. Right. She's like, uh, heat lightning. <laughs> I know. General Palpatine. Her Emperor yeah. Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so, I don't know. It's really interesting. Because, yeah, I can't agree with you more when she was saying that she was kind of having the dreams about the sea whip and how she wanted to try to bond with it. I was like, why couldn't you show that? Because, like, right now we're seeing nothing as far as visual uh, confirmation of that goes when we got a lot of that with the stack. And so it seemed almost underwhelming to me, like the interaction with the Mm -hmm. sea whip, almost like it was just any other, like, wild animal. When it's supposed to be like this mythical creature that doesn't exist, does it not exist? Oh, it's super powerful for you. It just seemed like any other animal. And that was a little disappointing to me. Yeah, because we see one of the siblings has like a shark tooth as an amplifier. Right, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It... I want more information on the amplifiers and that whole process. And I, I suspect I'd have to read the books to really get that, to get that. But it's interesting, just a little weird. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's going to show like her transformation or what she's capable of. Because when you think about the stag, that was like her initially very docile, very chill. And then now the sea whip, like she does have some bite. She can yeah. attack. Yeah. And I think if we think about the firebird that 
which is pretty much Phoenix, right? Reincarnation, right. all yes. that. That's sort of what I get with that. And I'm like, hmm, wonder what's going to happen when she puts that on. Dark Phoenix. <laughs> the sun will burn everything and bring life. I don't know. The sun but, will cleanse us all. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm going to be in- interested to see how how that changes because we we did see some changes in her in this episode we did um just her willingness to actually kill the sea whip and yeah the fact too she was just like oh i'm gonna bond with it as like his men are dying he's like oh yeah we're gonna kill it she's like no it's like yeah don't (laughs) you're okay sacrificing all these other people except for mel whatever alina but so i do want to before we talk about her dreams with uh kerrigan I do mm. want to talk about her actually getting the the amplifier Scales. bonded to her mm-hmm. and how she loses control from there. And you see, like, she's starting to go already. We talked about it last episode, the power madness. Like, you're seeing that power amplification go up and just what that's doing to mess with her sanity and her ability to control her powers. She doesn't seem to be able to control this amount of power yet. I don't know if that's going to be something that where Mal brought him back from the brink or before she destroyed the ship or if she's going to have to like train with Bagra again or what's going to happen to get her to get her powers in check. What do you think? I'm not sure. I I do think we're going to have some kind of scene where she's training again with somebody mm. because it can't just be her just like I'm souped up now I'm ready to go like no. <laughs> And so it also did sound to me like she was going to try to take on the fold with just this second amplifier. Oh, well, I thought she was going to go with another one. I thought that's why she said we got to stop in East Ravka and then go to the fold. Mm. Okay, because, maybe I missed that I part. I mean, yeah, she was like, you know, that's, she had said. Because I heard the name drop of the Firebird. I just didn't hear her say, yeah, now we're on to the Firebird. Well, she didn't say now we're on to the Firebird. She said we just got to, we got to go to East Ravka and then the mm. fold. Okay. And so that's why I'm assuming, like, oh, the firewood's going to be in East Grafka. Honestly, I'm expecting at some point in this episode, we're going to get more, or in this season, we're going to get more of the shoe. And the reason I say that is because they've been name-dropped so much this season. A lot of hinting with them, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm actually really excited about that, because I'm like, I want to know their culture. And we, we learn a little bit about it. Like, they do not consider half, <laughs> like, it seems like they're very much uh, full-blooded shoe or no shoe at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see that. Now, let us talk about the dreams. And this is probably one of the most interesting parts of it to me. Mm-hmm. Definitely connected, like you had said last time. Definitely connected. And in this episode, we get a little bit more with Kerrigan sort of hinting at that she's pretty much immortal, too. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on the dreams? So I think that the first one, she's basically telling the Darkling to go... And play with himself because she's not going to be a part of his party anymore. Not going to wear black anymore. Never wear his colors again. All of that, you know, that's her, like, liberating herself from the control of the Darkling. Which, Mm -hmm. you know, good for her. The one I really want to talk about, though, is after she gets the amplifier. And how the Darkling's like, ooh, you're more powerful now. And just, like, see that hole in his hand glowing and everything. And how... He does, in his little villain monologue speech, talk about how she's going to have to choose between, like, power and humanity and how she's going to leave Mal behind as she gets older but doesn't age and he does and dies and all of this stuff to try to isolate her and bring her back 
to like understanding his side of things and it was a very interesting conversation because if that is the case and then she will be immortal and Mal will just age and die will she be able to maintain her humanity will she mm-hmm. be able to you know still be Alina Starkov or will she fully transition to become dark sun summoner <laughs> dark phoenix just one giant analogy for the dark phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's good. it's going to be some interesting questions also too I was just thinking about this uh, when we're talking about the amplifiers, they take pieces of these creatures and they infuse it into a person. Why can't they yeah. take more? Like, they took two scales off of the sea dragon. Does the rest just disappear? Or why can't, like, every single gr- one of those Grisha get, like, a scale? It's because you have to be the one to kill it to get the amplifi- amplification, um, to have it work for you. That's um, why she had to kill the, the sea whip. Because if she didn't, she wouldn't be able to f- infuse its essence with her. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise, they should just, like, line up everyone's arms with the scales and call it a day and get their own little boosted Grisha army. Yeah, that's true. And that's why the one sibling had the shark tooth and the other did not. Right. Hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited for episode three. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to episode three. I'm thinking that we're going to get a little bit more of a story-driven episode as opposed to Mm -hmm. an action-driven episode for this one. And that's completely fine, considered how rapid this pace is moving. But yeah, it's a it's a lot that can still happen. I'm really look, see I'm really looking forward to see if we get more with uh, the Darkling and explore like his vulnerable side, or if it's just gonna be something that kind of happens gradually throughout the episode until he goes like full shadow monster himself. Yeah, I'll be curious to see, and I'll be curious to see what Bagra says about his little shadow puppets. Yeah, well, that's going to do it for this episode. So this is going to be Two Nerds signing off. We'll see ya. See ya.